You're listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Exodus chapter 2 and verse 23. And it came to pass in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. And the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage, and they cried, and their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. And God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. Let's bow forward to prayer tonight. Father, we do come before you. And in this time, a sacred time, Lord, to open up the Bible, Lord, the eternal Word of God that has and contains truth that points us to the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, tonight we have gathered to not to hear from me. Lord, nothing I say tonight in and of myself has any lasting value or impact. But God, your Word can make a difference in every heart and life. And Lord, I'm asking tonight that, Lord, that what we hear and what we learn tonight, that it would encourage us and strengthen us, support us. Lord, those that are discouraged in the battle, I pray you'd encourage them. Lord, those that are excited in this journey of following Christ, Lord, I would pray that you would motivate them. And I would pray tonight that most of all, our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, would be exalted. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for saying you can be seated. Several years ago, a journalist wrote a piece to the Toronto Sun asking the question, what is God like? He was having a conversation with his 8-year-old and 10-year-old driving one day to school, and he realized and recognized that he had never heard the opinion about his two daughters and who they thought God was and what God, in their opinion, was like. This man was not a Christian, he was not a follower of Christ, he did not know the Lord, but he was interested to hear the reply from his two daughters. So he asked the question to his reading audience, what do you think God is like? He targeted just the children of the parents that read his column each week, and so the parents began to write an email in, and so to his surprise, he got a reaction that he was not anticipating. Let me just read for you quickly a few of the funny responses that these, this man received from children as they began to contemplate and consider who God was and what God was like. Jackson, age seven, said, I call God when I need help with things, but not my homework, because my mom says I have to do that by myself. <laughs> Manny, he was six years old, he wrote in and said, my mom talks to God when we need more money. And in our case, I think our children will be talking to the Lord very often about that, right? Rebecca knows teasing. God's been good. Our older daughter, a young lady, wrote in and said she thinks that God is the one that has everything under control. You know, this morning and this evening, as we consider this text of Scripture that we look at this evening, there is really no clearer picture in Scripture, and this is, of course, one of the clear pictures that we can see 
as people of God to determine what God is like. If you're wondering tonight to the character, the nature, the heart of God, Exodus chapter 23, 24, and 25 give to us a description of the God that we serve and who he is like. Exodus chapter 2, in this text of scripture that we see tonight, the main character is not Moses, although Moses has dominated really much of chapter number 2. Chapter 1 talks about Pharaoh, but Pharaoh is not the main character in chapter number 2 in our text this evening. Even God's people, though God does address them this evening, they are not the main character of the text of scripture that we see this evening. Five times in Exodus 2 and verse 23, 24, and 25, we see that the name of God is mentioned. And we get a clear picture to describe for our lives this evening what the God is like that we serve. What he's like, what his heart is like, what his character, what his nature is like. Of course, you know the account here in Exodus chapter 2, God's people up to this point have been in bondage in the nation of Egypt for over four hundred years. They came in as a small group of people, about 70 people, and through the grace and goodness of God, he, he, he strategically planted and placed them in the most powerful nation in all the world so that God could make a great people for himself there in the nation of Egypt. However, we see as we have studied uh, through the scriptures we know that God's people were never meant to be and remain in the nation of Egypt. God had designated a land, a place, a people for himself to one day leave and flee Exodus. And here God is going to raise up a man by the name of Moses to be the strong deliverer, the one that would lead the people of God into and out of Egypt and into the wilderness. Moses has been serving God and following God for 40 years on the backside of a Midian desert. He's alone. He's got a lowly task of shepherding sheep. And the worst part about, worst part about Moses' job, he was working for his father-in-law, Jethro. Can I get an amen on that this evening? Boy, you thought serving sheep was bad. Could you imagine having to work for your in-laws, Brother Chris Venera, this evening? But nonetheless, there he is, he's shepherding sheep, and he's in the backside of the desert for 40 years, wondering perhaps, God, what am I doing with my life? Lord, what, what mistakes have I made to come to this point or this juncture where I'm 300 miles away from Egypt, where I, at one point in my life I was the prince, and perhaps even next in line to the throne of the most powerful nation in the world. God, what are you doing? Why am I even here? 300 miles away in the nation of Egypt, God is not just preparing Moses, but God is preparing a people to be delivered. And how would God respond to the people's cry as they were there in Egypt? I want you to see this evening in verse number 23, the condition of God's people and what life was like in Egypt. In the process of time, the king of Egypt died and the children of Israel, maybe mark these words in your Bible, please, sighed by reason of the bondage, and they cried, and their cry came up unto God by reason of bondage. Not necessarily the description of an all-inclusive vacation, right? 
a challenging time for the people of God, the oppression by the government there in Pharaoh's land, being mistreated, abused, and beaten, and maligned, and used in forced labor to build the cities of Python and Ramses. And here the people of God daily being oppressed by pagan people, and they're crying and they're sighing by way of the bondage that they have in Egypt's land. That word sigh this evening, as you see in your Bible, means literally to take a deep, audible breath, as in weariness, to find relief. It's that deep longing when pressures come and another day of bondage, another day of taskmasters, another day of bricks and mortar, another day of hard, hot sun in Egypt's land. The Bible goes on to say that they not only sighed, but they cried. It's a call for help to summon, to raise a battle cry, to, to make public sounds of physical and emotional anguish. Every parent tonight knows the three different types of cries of your children. You have the cry of the whining cry. When you know in your mind that if you can just ignore that cry and get them to bed, everything is just going to be okay. <laughs> Can I get a witness on that one, amen? That whining cry often gets, gets overlooked. The tired cry gets overlooked. But there's one cry that every parent knows, and that's the hurt cry of their child. A couple years ago, our family was visiting Rebecca's side of the family uh, down in Arkansas. And, of course, Lawson is no stranger to danger. And uh, he uh, was outside on the, on the trampoline, was on the branch there and he, he jumped off the, the limb onto the trampoline and he comes in and he's crying he's oh dad my arm is broken and sure enough I looked right at that arm and it was bent in different directions and it was a gross sight to behold but the cry of my child I knew that he was hurting and here we see the cry of God's people they're hurting they're in bondage they are sighing because of the pressure they're groaning, verse number 24, and God heard their groaning, the deep uh, utter of, of pain to, to signify grief of a person's life. And so the condition of God's people is that of bondage and oppression, burdens and baggage and, and, and pain and suffering. And they're discouraged and they're defeated. And maybe this evening tonight, church, North Valley Baptist Church, you know Exodus chapter 2 and verse 23, not just by way of reading it in your Bible, but by way of personal experience. Many tonight, you know what it's like in the wearisome long nights and wondering, God, is this pain and suffering ever going to go away? Many of you know what it's like to, to groan, to cry out to God. And as, as, as the tears hit your pillow night, at nighttime, you wonder, God, are you listening? And God, do you hear me? Many of you know about physical pain and emotional pain and mental pain, financial pain, relational pain. And you're experiencing perhaps the, the deep sense of sorrow and sadness that the people of God were experiencing here in Exodus chapter number 2. So what does God do? What does God, how does God respond to their groaning? How does God respond to their cry? How does God respond to their, to their sighing? Well, there's four things that I want you to see quickly. In verse number 24, the Bible tells us, and God heard. 
they're growing. If you're taking notes tonight, as we discover the character, the nature of God through our pain and through our suffering, first of all, I'd say this, he hears you. Our God hears you. Through your sighing and through your burdens and through your crying, God, and through your groaning, God hears your prayer. The cry came up to God. This, this wailing, this burden, this problem is that they were experiencing, these tears that they were crying. The Bible says that God responded to their cry by hearing their prayer. Oh, aren't you thankful tonight, North Valley Baptist Church, that we have a God that hears our prayers? That we have a God that hears our sorrows. That we have a God that hears our crying. And as we go to God, and sometimes we don't even know the words to say, but God hears that heart that's beating, the anguish of a heart. And God knows what you're going through this evening. Just as he heard the prayer of the nation of Israel, God hears your prayers this evening, North Valley Baptist Church. God looks not at the elegancy of your prayers to see how neat they are nor yet at the geometry of your prayers to see how long they are, nor at the arithmetic of your prayers to see how many they are, nor at the music of your prayers, nor at the sweetness of your voice, nor at the logic of your prayers, but at the sincerity of your prayers, how hearty they are. There is no prayer acknowledged, approved, accepted, recorded, or rewarded by God, but that wherein the heart is sincerely and wholly given to the Lord. God hears the prayers of his people. God will never turn a deaf ear to the cry of his people this evening. So what do we learn from a God that hears our prayers? That we can pray to him in our time of difficulty. The people of God in their sorrow and in their deep, dark a time of suffering, what do they do? Their cry comes up to God. They called out to God. And when we face the challenges of life, we are to take our petitions to the throne room of grace to confidently know this evening that we have a God that hears our prayers. There's a second thought I'll give you quickly. Not only does God hear their groaning, but verse 24, see it with me. And God remembered his covenant. God not only hears them, but secondly, God remembered them. That word remembered is an interesting word because it can cause us to think, did God forget about his people? The answer, of course, is absolutely not. But that word remembered there in our Bibles tonight literally means to bring to pass in the present what was once promised in the past. And God is saying, I promise all the way back here in Genesis chapter 12 and Genesis chapter 17 that I would eventually bring you to a land, that I would be your Lord and Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that you would have lads and children that would come as the sand of the seashore. And now I'm about to make good on the promise that I promised you in the past. Oh God, this evening, church, he has not forgotten his promises to his people. God is always faithful to come through to his people of what he has promised to us in his word. Recently, my boys and I were coming back from a trip from Southern California. My boys, Landon Lawson and Logan, and uh, as we made our way towards Southern California, Blythe, and if you've never been to Blythe, let me encourage you, don't go there. And uh, nothing really good. Can any good thing come out of Blythe? Absolutely not. But nonetheless, we were there and uh, about 35 miles from the Arizona border. My boys were hungry and said, Dad, can we stop at the McDonald's there? Can we get something to eat? We're going to die if we don't get something to eat. 
And I said, boys, i got to get some gasoline here in a minute, and I'm not going to pay $7.45 per gallon here on the California side. I'm going to go to Arizona, about 35 miles in Ehrenberg, where it's a little bit cheaper, only $7.25. And they kept, Dad, Dad, we want, we're hungry. We need hungry. we got to stop. we got to stop. we got to stop. I said, boys, I don't want to hear another word. Boys, I don't want to hear another word. Remember that, how he does that? that boy, I don't want to hear another word about how, you're, about what, how hungry you are. We're going to stop on the other side of the border. And finally, as we made our way across the state line, I pulled off and we found a Wendy's. Thank God for Wendy's. Disgusting Wendy's, you know? And uh, we got someone. And I made good on the promise that I gave to them on this side. Now watch this. God is being good and faithful to the promise of the past. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He says, now is a time where I'm going to be faithful to bring to you to pass the promise that I gave to my people. You know, tonight as I think about our New Testament scripture, Jesus gave us a lot of promises, didn't he? Jesus said in John chapter 14, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me in my Father's house. So many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. So that where I am, there ye may be also. Uh, Jesus also promised that there's a land that is fairer than day. And by faith that we can see it afar. But the Father waits over the way to prepare us a dwelling place there. And praise God for the sweet by and by. There's a day coming with no sorrow and no sickness and no sadness. There's coming a day when our faith will become sight and we'll look upon the face of the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for us on the cross of Calvary. And I tell you, church, this evening, as we tabernacle monks here in this life, as it's hard sometimes, as it's difficult sometimes, as there's discouraging days and depressing days and sorrows and setbacks and financial problems and physical difficulties, can I say to us that our God is a God that is faithful to remember his promises to his people. But then thirdly, not only does God see them and God remember them or heard them and remembered them, but that we find also, verse 25, that he saw them. God saw them. Look at verse 25. And God looked upon the children of Israel. That means that God is taking notice of what's happening to his people. The omniscient God who always sees and knows everything, the good, the bad, and the ugly, he sees your sorrows and he sees everything in our life and he's looking now with an eager eye to the affairs of his people. And he knows what he's going on. That word look there that's found in our Bibles gives the idea of a long, laboring, hardened look towards his people. It's not a quick glance that you see something at the grocery store or something like that. That means to observe, to gaze upon. Remember whenever you were dating your wife, men, and uh, you looked upon her and you gazed upon her, you studied her and wanted to know her? This is the idea that God is looking upon his people and he's caring for his people. We're seeing the heart of God. Does God see where you're at this evening? Oh, yes, he does. Does God know what you're going through? Oh, yes, he does. I would say tonight to the lonely widow in our church, God sees you. To the single mom who works hard, long hours and wondering, am I doing enough? God sees you. To the marriage that's here that's on the rocks, God sees and God knows. To the servant that's laboring on buses and Sunday school classes and bus kids and nobody else sees, God sees 
to the person that goes to dialysis and cancer treatments and sits in hospital waiting rooms and goes from doctor to doctor. God sees you this evening. God knows exactly what you're going through. Uh, there's been no greater comfort for me the last six years of my life than I find in Matthew chapter 10 where Jesus Christ says, Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing, and one of them shall, fall, shall not fall to the ground without your father. This verse was my life verse a few years ago, but the very head, hairs of your head are all numbered. It's easy now. Fear ye not, therefore ye are of more value than many sparrows. Why? God sees. God sees. It's his compassion towards his people. It's his empathy towards his people. Oh, I love that verse in 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Why does he care? Because he sees you this evening. He sees right where you're at. There are people here surrounded by people of the great North Valley Baptist Church. And your heart's lonely this evening, isn't it? You're serving and you put the smile on your face, but you're wondering, does anybody know where I'm at? Does anybody see what I'm going through? I'll say this to you, somebody in the church may not see it. Uh, the staff may not see it, the deacons may not know about it, but can I tell you that you have a heavenly father this evening that sees and knows and remembers what you're going through this evening. What's our God like? He saw them. He remembered them. He heard them. But then lastly, look at verse number 25. <clears throat> he took knowledge of them. Meaning, he says, and God had respect unto them. That word respect literally means in God knew. God knew. God knows. God knows what you're going through. God knows what I'm going through. God knows you with a personal knowledge. We know that God loves the world. Yes, absolutely. But think about tonight, the little child in the remote villages of Africa. God knows them. Think about the children, perhaps, in south of our, of, our, of our borders. God sees them and God knows them. Uh, think about people in our community this evening of the greater Bay Area that are lonely, perhaps with addictions and drugs, that God sees them and God knows them and God knows right where you're at this evening. And he's taking knowledge of you. Several years ago, I'll be done here in a moment, when I was a young boy, the 49ers training camp was not far from where we live. And I remember... I'd go there, and uh, my dad would take me, or sometimes I'd go with a buddy of mine, and we'd wait outside the parking lot there and uh, bring our cards and bring our helmets and just hope that somebody would stop for an autograph. I've got Jerry Rice's autograph. I've seen Joe Montana. I, I saw Bryant Young, Dana Stubblefield, Ronnie, all the, all the greats that have played there at a, for the 49ers. One day, I'll never forget, they, probably 1994 or so, the gate opened. A white Jeep Grand Cherokee with gold rims came rolling out. And everybody began to say, that's Steve. That's Steve's car. And they were talking about Steve Young. And I was there. I had my uh, little uh, uh, football card. And, and I was ready to get it autographed. And some adult men were around me. And they had their uh, footballs and their jerseys. And I was in the front of the line. And, and Steve Young stopped. And I was first. And he rolled down the window. And these adult men, God bless them, they squeezed me out. I'm in the back of the line. I was, you know, 10 years old. I was a, a 
a huge mass of like four feet, five inches tall. And uh, they, they, they squeezed me out. And Steve Young did this. No, no, no. You, you. Come here. <laughs> hey, Steve. He said, what's your name? I said, Tim. And he said, to Tim, Steve Young. I still have that card in my, my office somewhere in my house this evening. It's there. I'll look at it. My boys want to see it sometimes. They get Dusty Young's autograph. How cool is that, Dad? But can I say tonight, far greater than being acknowledged by some football star, far greater than being acknowledged by some president or senator or governor or mayor, far greater than being acknowledged by some pop star or pop singer, is to have the knowledge of the creator, God of the universe. The God who never leaves us or forsakes us. The God that's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The God that loved us so much that in while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That when we were dead in our trespasses of sin, that God was rich in mercy for this great love and kindness, sent Jesus Christ to this sin-sick, fallen world to live the perfect, sinless life according to the law that we could never live to go to Calvary's cross to suffer and bleed and die in our stead. And watch this. That's the God that knows about you this evening. That's the God that sees you this evening. That's the God that's taking knowledge of you this evening. That's the God that hears every cry of your tear-stained cheek this evening. That's the God that's listening to your life this evening. So what a God. So if we this evening, tonight, have a God who hears that gives us hope for our difficult circumstances. If we have a God that sees, that means that we have a God that has compassion towards us. If we have a God that remembers, that means we have a God that is faithful to his promises. If we have a God that hears our prayers, then that means that we should go to him in prayer with every need that we have this evening. What's God like? He sees you. What's God like? He hears you. What's God like? He takes knowledge of you. What's God like? He remembers his promises. And so tonight, whatever burden, whatever sign, whatever bondage, whatever cry you have, you have a Savior who hears, sees, and knows you. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.